0: Everyone, this is the Sound Health Radio Show, where we talk about the crossroads of the environment and our health. I'm Richard, talk to me, guy, and Sherry Edwards, as we know, is working on the SoundHealthPortal.com. I suggest going to that site, the SoundHealthPortal.com, scrolling down to the videos, and watching one of the live video demonstrations that Sherry does online with a with a volunteer. And takes them all the way through the process of getting their voice recorded, running it through the software, and showing the reports. Because it's an amazing thing to see. I can talk about it for a long time, but really just seeing that demonstration gives you a tremendous amount of information of the process of doing it. We can do it from anywhere. And so that means for me, I just carry around a small microphone like the Samsung Go mic, plug it into anybody's computer, and can do an intake with them anywhere. It's great. To hear and share replays of this show, about 20 to 30 minutes after the show is over, you can go to TalkToMeGuy.com, just like it sounds, scroll down that page, and at the top will be this show with Dr. Larry Farwell, which will be mind-expanding. I'll just predict that. And You can go to TalkToMeGuy.com, scroll down, and you'll see all the show notes, including any links that we talk about during the show I'll put in there. And you can just scroll right down to the bottom of the show notes and listen to it right from your device. And or you can pull it up on a computer and listen to it through your computer. At the bottom of each page is a little microphone. And if you click on that microphone and tap on it, if you're on a mobile device, you can leave me a message and say, what about this? What about that? What about this guest? I have a question about that. Or whatever you'd like to say. You can find all that at talktomeguy.com. With that, the workshop's Dr. Larry Farwell, world-renowned neuroscientist, provide a practical guide to success and happiness in your life. Based on his groundbreaking scientific research, Dr. Larry weaves together neuroscience, quantum physics, expansion of consciousness, and effective techniques you can use to live a truly extraordinary life. In addition to his pioneering research on neuroscience, quantum physics, and the role of consciousness in human life and the universe, Dr. Farwell invented brain fingerprinting, a scientific technique to detect criminals and terrorists and exonerate the innocent by measuring brain waves. He tested it at the FBI, the CIA, and the U.S. Navy and used it to catch a serial killer and help free an innocent murder convict and applied it in counterterrorism operations worldwide. He invented the first brain-computer interface, allowing paralyzed patients to use brain waves to communicate through a computer and a speech synthesizer. Dr. Farwell published his research in the leading peer-reviewed scientific journals. He's been featured in major news media worldwide. Dr. Farwell joins us to talk about his new book, The Science of Creating Miracles, Neuroscience, Quantum Physics, and Living the Life of Your Dreams. Welcome, Dr. Farwell. Delighted to be here, Richard. I'll try and start us at a casual cadence, but it's the All quantum right. field. We, <laughs> we can jump anywhere. I actually want to read yeah. a, a short review uh, from Amazon about the science of creating. Okay. New paradigm is evolving. That makes it clear that consciousness conceives, governs, constructs, and becomes the world of everyday reality. This book explains the mechanics and gives you access to how to intention organizes its own fulfillment by Deepak Chopra. So there's that as a foundation. (laughs) And I I want to start in a slightly not odd place, but this will flow. This will... It is a quantum field. We can bounce around anywhere. So what is a miracle? All right. Richard, that
1: is something that has been of interest to people ever since recorded history and, and before before recorded history. What is a miracle? Well, it has traditionally been thought that a miracle is something that goes beyond or outside or contradicts the usual laws of physics. And I have a different perspective on that, and the research we've done in the scientific laboratory provides a different perspective on that. I was uh, talking to my dad one day. My dad is a, a nuclear physicist, a quantum physicist. And we were at lunch in a restaurant. I said, hey, Dad, anything is possible. He said, yes, uh, yes, you're quite right. Uh, any imaginable configuration of quantum particle wave phenomena, which is what the universe, the events in the universe consists of, any, any of those is possible. I said, for example, it, it's possible that all of the elementary particles that make up your body and mine and enough air to breathe we would tunnel from here to the other side of the moon. And tunneling is a known phenomenon in quantum mechanics that really does take place. And we'd carry on this conversation on the other side of the moon. And he said, well, yes, in fact, Dr. Larry, actually, he didn't call me Dr. Larry. Said, yes, in fact, Larry, that, that, is the, that is the case. And he pulled out a paper napkin and he made some quick calculations. I still have the, the formula and the math. And he calculated the probability that that would happen. Now, it was a very low probability, and it didn't happen. We carried on that conversation in the restaurant. But the point is that anything, in the field of quantum mechanics, anything that's possible, some things are probable, and some things are highly improbable. So a miracle is not something impossible. A miracle is simply a highly improbable event, uh, an event that is statistically very unlikely to happen. And what we proved in the scientific laboratory using The quantum physics apparatus, which I'll describe in a little more detail later, is that we can create miracles. We can consciously enliven a vibration in the, the conscious unified field, which is what vibrates into the particle wave phenomena that make up the world. We can create miracles. We can create improbable events using our consciousness.
0: I... I'm going to jump because this just seems appropriate at this at this time as an example of that a slightly even bigger event I would say it, it was miraculous uh, a long time ago I took training when I was doing uh, body work meaning massage and I take a lot of training uh-huh. and I had the opportunity to study under Rosam Ruey who wrote the book Hands of Light and was a hands-on healer who in the 80s. I'm kind of making that up. It was that long ago. Was actually researched at Stanford. She was doing, having such amazing results on healing people. Not a word we like to use because that's very tricky. That's a tricky mm-hmm. area, but she was healing people. And they researched her. You know, they put every kind of instrument they could on her to try and have the like, aha, there it is. That's the frequency. There's the thing. And they could never figure it out. And it was a long study. It was a you know it Uh had a lot of information and everything and when I was taking the class with her she would let's say somebody had a a growth I'll just say a benign growth and she would Mm. put her hands on there and she would go into a slightly altered state she could talk a little but not very much and build up a tremendous Mm. amount of heater in her body to the point of really like fiercely sweating until she felt something I'll say clear that's not maybe the right word but you know some sort of effect and observed it you know time after time and a number of the people that were in the class are people who had had conditions that she helped clear and and I always thought that she was doing something in the quantum field or some kind of not mystical per se but an act where she took what you're talking about today and jumped the quantum field so far that she could not only get into creating miracles herself but creating miracles in another person yeah which I thought was uh, truly miraculous I mean I think creating miracles in general are great and amazing but to see somebody do it for somebody else am I is that am I reading that correctly That she is really jumping the jumping the line of creating miracles and the ability to have that not only for herself but then to project that into another
1: Uh, Yes, that's quite correct. And let's look from a scientific perspective at how that's possible. Great. And we'll talk a little bit later about practical techniques people can apply to create a Let's look at at how how science shows that that is possible. I'm sitting here, actually I'm sitting on my boat, looking out over Puget Sound near Seattle. And I have in front of me a, a desk. You can hear me knocking on it. Mm-hmm. This appears to be uh, solid and brown to me, and, and very well-defined. Now, if you look closer at it, you will see that it, it's uh, mostly empty space, and it has molecules moving around very, very quickly. And if you look within the molecules, you will see atoms. If you look deeper into the atoms, you'll see elementary particles, uh, protons, neutrons, electrons. If you examine those more closely, you'll see quarks. If you if you go within the quarks down to the, the level of string theory, you'll see vibrating string. Uh, and so <clears throat> what appears to me to be a solid desk here is actually simply a pattern of vibrating string. Now, what is vibrating? What is vibrating is the unified field. And Einstein coined the word unified field theory to describe that universal field that vibrates into all of the quantum particle wave phenomena that we see as the universe. Now, all of the great spiritual traditions tell us that that unified field that gives rise to the physical creation is the same as that inner field of pure consciousness that is the essence of human life. It's the essential constituent of who we are, the I, the self, the subject. Our own consciousness is the thing which we have throughout our life. And if it's, if it's if it turns out that that is the same as this unified field from which creation springs, then it stands to reason that we could create a vibratory influence on the level of our own consciousness, and that would create an effect in creation. And that mm-hmm. is what uh, your your uh, friend was doing. And that is also... We, we decided to test that in a scientific laboratory. And we've all had experiences where... That seem miraculous. For example, you you think, oh, I'd really like to hear from Joe, the phone rings just in and it's Joe. But you don't know the probability that would have happened anyway, so it's not really a scientific experiment. We do, however, know the probability distribution of alpha particle emission by plutonium. Plutonium, as you probably know, is one of the major ingredients in an atomic bomb, and my dad was one of the people who developed that originally. And we know we know very precisely what what the probability distribution is of alpha particle emission by plutonium. So we decided to set up an experiment where we'd see if we could shift that probability distribution. And the short answer is that we could, and other people could, especially people with a high level of consciousness. Now, if we can shift the probability distribution of a quantum mechanical event, what that means is we can create miracles because the whole universe consists of quantum mechanical events that take place according to the laws of probability. If we can shift that probability, we can create anything. I mean, we could literally, with a high enough level of consciousness, uh, create, as I was talking to my dad, where, where we went to the other side of the moon. So what your, your friend is doing <clears throat> is to tune into consciousness, tune into the conscious unified field on the level of her own consciousness, to set up a vibratory influence in the conscious unified field. Now that conscious unified field is the base of all of creation within your body, within my body, within the, the, the galaxies and the stars, everywhere. And so by setting up a vibration of healing, of harmony, of orderliness, of clarity, of health within her own consciousness, she was able to enliven that vibratory influence And remember, the whole universe comes down to just patterns of vibration in a conscious unified field. And we're not talking woo-woo here, we're talking physics. She she is able to create a vibratory influence that harmonizes what is going on, not only within her own body and in her immediate environment, but in the body of someone else. So it it, it actually is a, a, a phenomenon that has a scientific foundation to it.
0: The wow I'll have to really listen, <laughs> listen to the replay and chart that out uh, that was amazing thank you and I, mm-hmm. I observed in her one of the things that I then years later meeting people who were long-term meditators or as we discussed a little bit backstage somebody like Amachi who gives darshamra a blessing to people mm-hmm. yeah is that the one thing that I had a lot of respect for Rosalind. And I thought she was an amazing healer but she hadn't gotten quite to the point of just being able to do it she she could mess it all up and she could heal somebody however the part that I think she the little step that she didn't get to yet was it for her it was a massive amount of Chi that she had to put into it to make that event occur in her process yeah I mean, she was really fiercely sweating and pumping massive amounts of energy to whatever yeah But that's how she was doing it, versus the ability, I believe, that what you're talking about is you can get to a point of just doing it more casually, more without having to, you step into the quantum field and you make that event occur, you don't chi it up. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes perfect sense, Richard.
1: And the level of power in our thoughts, in our vision, depends on the degree to which they are attuned to and and encompassing and founded in the conscious unified field. So all the time we're creating little miracles and everything we do, we have some intention. I have an intention for my hand to move up rather than down and my hand moves up and and so on. Uh, when The more in tune you are with the conscious unified field, the more powerful that influence is. So if you're completely in tune with the conscious unified field, you can function on a very, very subtle, quiet, effortless level. If you're somewhat in tune, and she was dramatically in tune with the Conscious Unified Field, it it, it takes more effort. The closer you are to your own being, to your own unbounded consciousness, the more effortlessly it flows. And she was obviously very, very close and and still at the point where where it took quite a lot of doing. As you become more and more in tune with that unbounded field that creates the whole universe, you can do less and less and less, more and more effortless level and create a bigger effect. And that's one of the things that, that sometimes people don't understand about about attempting to transform their lives is that actually trying harder is not the way it happens. The way you tune into your, yourself, to your own consciousness, is on the level of letting go, on the level of quietness, not on the level of pushing hard.
0: Oh, so it's more of a... Mm, it's almost when well, I've done some sort of practices like Tai Chi or something. There's a point at which you move mm-hmm. into that sort of field of st- what I would call still point. That's popular in some communities using that term. And you read a, yes. reach what I call the quiet place, where it's just quiet. Yes, exactly. And you're like, wow, it's so quiet in here. I can't believe how quiet it is. And it's a little spooky the first <laughs> time you bump into it because you're sort of like, am I breathing? Am I okay? What's going on? I'm not having a thought. And it's an amazing thing. And is that sort of the step yeah. to getting closer to that conscious unified field, once the quieter we get uh, in you, a certain way?
1: Yes, yes, it is. And you experience that, of course, in, in techniques like transcendental meditation, which open your awareness to that uh, unbounded inner, inner uh, consciousness. You mentioned Tai Chi. Uh, uh, I also have a black belt in Kung Fu. And one of the things that I, I taught Kung Fu for many years. And one of the things that I've noticed about all the really good Kung Fu fighters is that while the feet and hands and fists are flying, they're able to keep their awareness very, very quiet. That keeps you very aware of what's, what's going on, so you, you know what your opponent's going to do before your opponent does it. And yes, that's exactly it. The, the, the experience you've been describing is, is the key to harnessing the power of the conscious unified fist.
0: It's interesting you would talk about kung fu because I'm a fan of uh, Bruce Lee's and watched yes. and and have done work with a lot a number of body of um, martial artists in different forms doing body work and it yes. is interesting when you watch somebody such as himself in be in that fight mode where he would come to alert and yes he was all muscular but he was all muscular that was never going to go away I mean mm-hmm. he would he would really be like a tiger in the jungle, where they're totally in that moment, cranking everything up to be aware. Yes, they're preparing for battle, yes. but there is that moment of like, I am here now, and I hear everything. Uh, yes, aware or, and, yet, or feel. and
1: yet quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's an amazing thing to observe. There is a famous uh, there is a film made about a blind swordsman who is actually an allegorical. Story, a true story, mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. a samurai, and he would be the same way. Mm-hmm. He would be in the middle of a fight scene, and yet he would be a, because he, in a certain way, I've I've known a number of blind people where, in a certain way, they've turned it around to where it's a gift because it makes them hyper alert in all their other senses. Yeah, and so that led that yeah. leads me to a question of, do you think? the abilities to tap into the conscious unified field how do we de- can we develop that as a sense and i already know you're going to say yes and my question is how do we how do we become more aware of that without meditating for hours every day
1: well first of all med- meditating maybe not for hours but for minutes every day is, is very useful uh-huh. And one of the things you'll find in, in my book, Signs of Creating Miracles, which has become a, a number one bestseller, is a little plug for that there, is mm-hmm. that uh, there are specific techniques that I outline there and that I teach in my workshops to experientially get to the conscious unified field and bring it into your life. It's not something that, that talking about it is going to produce. But uh-huh. let, let me give you an example of something that people can, can do uh, can do on their, on their own uh, at, at home. And this is also outlined in my book. Uh, and in order to do that, I'd like to talk a little bit about how the brain learns, because the brain is what we use to access the conscious unified field. Say you're crawling around. You're two years old. You're crawling around on the kitchen floor. You touch the leg of the, of the chair. You touch the floor. You touch the wall. None of that really makes much of an impression. You put your hand on the hot stove, and you have an aha experience. Aha! Wow, whoa! Okay, something something's happening here. Something has got my attention. There's there's something to be learned here. Now. One of the things that I've studied as a neuroscientist is something which is called a memory and encoding-related multifaceted electroencephalographic response. And the wow. R, <laughs> the, the acronym is murmur. It's an aha
0: experience. Ah, okay.
1: Now, when you have an aha experience, your brain is opened up for reprogramming. Because, okay, I just touched a hot stove. This, this is information that's going to be useful to me. Your brain is opened up for reprogramming, so you have this experience and now now you know, okay, I I I've I've incorporated something into my functioning about the what happens when you touch a hot stove. So very often throughout our life we, we have experiences that are, are I call them murmur moments, because uh, I don't want to say murmuring and coding most so electric self cephalographic response moments. <laughs> and <laughs> And those are aha experiences and often that can come from a negative experience. Somebody says something that that uh, makes you, makes you angry or 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 upset or afraid so something comes along that is that really gets your attention and let's say it happens in a negative way. Now, often we try to avoid those experiences, but actually you can take advantage of the way that the brain learns to Transmute that experience. Now, uh, by transmute, I'm talking about transmutation, which actually goes beyond transformation. Uh, There's a lot of talk in personal development circles these days about transformation, which is a very valuable phenomenon. You can transform, that is, change the form of, transform your thinking, your beliefs, your attitudes, uh, your emotions. Now, transmutation is transmuting. It goes beyond transformation. It's, it's creating a shift in the one who's, who's creating those thoughts and emotions. It, it's creating a shift on the level of being. It comes from alchemy where they would transmute or, or they would attempt to transmute base models, uh, base models into gold. You have a statue made of lead and you transform the shape. It's a different shape, but it's still lead. Transmutation is, in, is shifting what that statue is made of. So, transmutation taking place on the level of consciousness is a shift in your your being. Now, getting back to this, this aha moment, we carry a we carry around within ourselves an internal blueprint how valuable we are, how safe we are, how powerful we are. And we create that resonant frequency. It's like if you pluck a guitar string, it will resonate at a particular resonant frequency. We, we resonate uh, that internal blueprint that we're only 75% valuable and 64% uh, safe and 55% powerful, whereas the reality is we're 100% va- safe, valuable, and powerful. That's the real blueprint. That's the, who we are on the level of the conscious unified field. So we've been creating in our lives experiences that, that show us, that, that, that uh, resonate with our less than full blueprint Now, let's look at taking advantage of how the brain learns to create a shift in that. When you have this aha moment, when you have a murmur moment, when something really triggers you, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, this is something terrible, or this is something to be avoided. Remember, your brain is open for reprogramming when when you have a murmur moment like that, when you have an aha moment. So instead of reacting or shooting the messenger, you can use that as what I would call a transmutation trigger. Use it as a trigger to tune into, get a feeling for, get a sense of, oh yeah, who is the real me? Who is the real I? Who is the real Richard? Uh, who is the real Dr. Larry? Who, who uh, what does it feel like to be with, with my inner reality that I'm 100% safe, 100% valuable, 100% powerful? The experience, not just the words. Feeling what it's like on the, that quiet, that inner silence that you and I have been talking about. Tune into that within yourself. And then what happens is it turns those negative triggering experiences upside down on their head so that they're actually an opportunity for transmutation, for evolution, rather than something to be avoided. So you'll start to get a little smile around your, your lips. When something comes along that really triggers you, somebody says something nasty or does something that you'd normally find upsetting, you'll start thinking, aha, this is an opportunity. Thank you, the messenger. I'm not going to shoot the messenger. I thank the messenger. This is an opportunity for transmutation. This is an opportunity to tune into who I really am and start to express my full blueprint, 100% safe, 100% valuable, 100% powerful.
0: Sign me up. I I, I love all of that. That's when I was doing terrestrial radio in the '90s. I had interviewed Bruce Lipton when he wrote his first book. Down through the years, I kept bumping into him at events, and we'd follow up conversation. And he was the one that introduced me from a different perspective, kind of. I have a term: ourselves are listening. And he was yeah. the one that explained to me that our entire cells really have antenna on them and they're receptor sites for specific hormones and they want to take the hor- they only want to take the hormone they want to take and that's that. But our cells really are giant and have antennas on them and they're receptive to information. And he then, as yeah. he evolved in his own learning and thinking, began to move into, oh, it's not just hormones, it's what our environment says to us and tells us and warns us about. And he was really expanding that to more of a consciousness position so that when we keep telling ourselves we're not good enough, they're listening, going, oh, we should just go over here in the corner and not do that. So I think it's phenomenal to hear what you're saying is that we can alter that inner blueprint. Whatever the point of origin of that blueprint, we can take the little special eraser and change that and go, no, that goes over here now. That is, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And that, that alteration, that transmutation, takes place on the level of reality, not wishful thinking. It takes place on the level of tuning into who you truly are because the reality of who you truly are, who I am, who we all are, is that unbounded conscience. Is You are the conscious unified field. You, you are that, that reality that gives rise to uh, all, of, all of creation. And tuning in, having that inner experience it, it uh, uh, automatically enlivens in you the realization, oh, yes, and the experience, oh, yes, I am 100% valuable, 100% powerful, um, 100% safe. And though these things that seem to be a threat to that really, really aren't. And, yes, you can create that shift.
0: And I'm going to jump here for a moment back to a, a sort of a reference point in everything we're talking about because I okay. think this fits in. Would you talk for a moment about the double slit experiment? Cuz that that seems <laughs> okay. very much as an example of conscious targeted consciousness.
1: Yes. All right. The, the the double slit experiment is an experiment in in physics and it is one of the things that illustrates that you cannot explain or understand quantum physics, taking resource to consciousness. And it's it's a bit, it, it can be a bit complicated. I'll, I'll, I'll make it simple. If you take, uh, if you take marbles or particles and you shoot them through uh, something that has a split in it, the the particles will will spread out a little bit as they go through the slit and and if you record where they're landing at on the other side you're going to see a, a a um a place in the middle where most of them land so let's let's say you take uh, uh, electrons or, or or photons and shoot them through uh, one slit and you have a photographic plate at at the, at the end you're going to get a big band in the middle when you shoot particles now if you shoot waves through a slit you'll get a similar thing if you create two slits and you shoot particles through them you get two bands if you have two slits and you shoot waves through them the waves will interfere with each other uh you, where the top of one wave hits the bottom of the of the of the other it'll cancel out and, and you, there won't be anything at that point and where the waves uh are congruent with each other you're going to get um uh, you'll get a, a lot of effects. So if you have a photographic plate and you shoot light through that photographic plate or, or electrons through that, or uh, let will we'll say light, light waves through that plate, you're going to get an interference pattern. And by the way, there's a really good uh, video that you can find uh, on on YouTube, which is from the movie What the Bleep, that illustrates this. It's, it's a little easier to illustrate if you if you can see it. But at any rate, if you're shooting particles, you get one pattern, which is uh, doesn't involve an interference. Band. If you shoot waves through a couple, two slit, a different pattern where the waves interfere with each other. Now, when you're if you're shooting, say, electrons through this, you're actually shooting particles, but they but they act like waves. And what determines what—if none of that made any sense, here's the part to to get. What determines how these particle wave phenomena behave is how you measure them. If you have one slit, you'll you'll get—everything will act like particles. If you have two slits, those same things, like shooting electrons through the slits, will act like waves. And the, the, the point at which the particles or waves appear is the point at which you measure them. So, for example, you can set up an experiment where you're measuring light that comes from a, a very strong light source, a quasar, on the other side of a galaxy. And 10 million years ago, it either went on both sides of an intervening galaxy and came here, or it only went on one side. And as it goes only on one side, it acts like a particle. If it goes on both sides, it interferes with itself and acts like a wave. We can set up a measuring apparatus, which will, depending on how we measure it, it'll either show up as a particle or a wave. And, that's, and what that means is that by how we measure now, 10 million years ago when this light went by the intervening galaxy, it either acted like a particle or acted like a wave. The point is that until you make a measurement, All that's there is abstract probability distributions. There aren't Mm -hmm. particles. There aren't waves. The physical universe doesn't have any of the qualities of of physicalness, of of mass, of spin, of charge, until you make the measurement, until consciousness comes along and says, okay, now we measure this. At that point, the infinite probability distribution collapses into an event. And the double slit experiment was one of the first times that we one of the first times that physics showed that. Now, I recall when, when I was, uh, when I was 12 years old, we were in, we were in Denmark. And, uh, there is common to have uh, candles on the Christmas tree where it was at that time. And my dad uh, gave my mom a scarf for Christmas. And if you look at the candles without the scarf, it, it, you, you see one bright spot for each candle. And I held up the scarf and I saw if you look at the candles through the scarf, you see this multi, uh, each candle multiplies and, and becomes, it's basically you're seeing an interference pattern. It's like many candles. The waves are interfering with themselves. And my dad got all excited about this. And he said, yeah, it's just like the double slit experiment, where how you look at the light the ter- when you when you see it determines whether it acts like a particle and just goes straight to you or acts like waves and, and, and the candles multiply into this beautiful array of 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 many candles when you're looking at them through the scarf. So the the point of all that is this, that when we make an observation, when consciousness enters the scene, that is when the qualities of matter appear. And if none of that stuff that I was talking about with the the double-slit experiment made any sense, you can still get that point, that when we make the observation, when consciousness enters the scene, that's when these infinite probability distributions that are out there in the universe collapse into an event that has the physical qualities that things have. And that is why we can create miracles, because we have a choice. What we showed in our experiment, which goes beyond the, the double split experiment, what we showed in the conscious unified field experiment is that not only does, do the qualities of the physical universe arise when we make the observation. But we have a choice as to which qualities are going to arrive. We have a choice as to how we're going to collapse these probability distributions into the physical universe that we're creating in our environment. So in a very real sense, we create the physical universe that surrounds us. We create our lives. And if you go to the latest book that came out last week or the, or the scriptures from 2 or 5 or 10,000 years ago, they'll all say the way you create your life is you have an inner vision on the level of your consciousness. And you enliven nature in that inner vision, and then it shows up in your environment. Well, what we showed in the Conscious Unified Field Experiment, to which the the double split experiment was really a precursor, what we showed is that, in fact, the way things really work. All the wise people you've had on on your show and and who've been saying these same things that we create our world through our consciousness from within, throughout the ages, people have been saying that. It turns out they're right, and it turns out that we showed that in the scientific laboratory
0: blows my mind to hear it talked about from <laughs> such a very articulate scientific perspective that's the that's one of the exciting things for me is this the way you talk about it yeah I think there's another side of you that's can easily talk spirituality but that's a different show but I just think it's really yeah. cool <laughs> after having spent decades myself being very interested in this arena but to hear you talk about it, because you're actually explaining it. You're actually saying, oh, yeah, no, here's the reason why. This is how this works. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, and the ancients <laughs> did it for thousands of years, and we're just like, wait, no, this, we can prove this now. Therefore, it exists. It's <laughs> yeah. that kind of weird thing where we have that. We can prove it. Therefore, it exists. But until we could prove it, it didn't <laughs> exist. It was sort of like the research with Bruyer. She couldn't possibly be doing this. Wait, she did it again. Um, so I, I love the I love the yeah. science behind it it's really exciting yeah. um, I want to jump again slightly to okay this section in your book where you talk about the back to what you were talking about the murmur experiments the okay. ability to begin where do we where should we start I guess is what I have to ask is like <laughs> where do we start this How do we begin, do we have little baby steps of we find a thing and we make an example, and how do we begin to expand our consciousness and be aware that we have this capacity? Where do we find that point, or how do we hone it, or all those kinds of things? I mean, I know your your workshops do it, and your book does it. The book has a tremendous, I recommend the book highly because there's just a boatload of really cool information in here. But how do we... What's, where do we, you know, after we hang up on the call, where do we start, I guess?
1: Okay, okay, excellent. Well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, I go through a lot of this in, in my workshops. And the important thing to understand is that this is an experiential process. So what, we're, what we have to describe it is a, a, a linear progression of words. The experience itself is a holographic experience, a multifaceted holographic experience that you have as a whole. So we're limited somewhat by language and what we can say about it. And in the workshops, we go into specific techniques that um, guide you to that experience, and quite a lot of that has been in the book as well, the Science book. Uh, as to where your listeners can begin uh, right immediately after this call. I would suggest uh, what I was talking about a few minutes ago with what I call transmutation trigger. And that is an experience comes along. Somebody says or does something that, uh, that triggers you, that upsets you. And by the way, when that happens, it means that there was something in you that resonated with it. <clears throat> and this is what we want to transmute. For example, if somebody came along Actually, I don't know what color your hair is. But if somebody came along and said, you have the ugliest red hair I've ever seen, and your hair is not red, Mm -hmm. uh, that wouldn't trigger you at all. It's like, okay, somebody doesn't have very good color perception. But if somebody says something that does, in fact, trigger you, it means there's something, it it gives you some information. Oh, okay, there's something that I may have a bit of an issue about. So let's talk about these murmur experiences, these triggering experiences where someone does or says something that that really gets to, all right, that creates an aha moment. That creates a murmur moment. Now, the good thing about that is that you don't have to go into reactive mode. You don't have to shoot the messenger. You don't have to punish the messenger. You don't have to to try and, all right, make sure you never do that again. You can thank Messenger. Okay, thank you, Mr. Messenger. You've given me some information. I have something within myself that, that is something I could look at. But more importantly, you can use that. Now the brain is open for reprogramming. You have this murmur moment. You can experientially tune into, okay, what's reality here? Who am I really? Get an inner feeling, not a, not a words, but an inner sense of, okay, yeah. I can feel that quiet space within myself, 100% safe, 100% valuable, 100% powerful, quiet, clear, expanded, the real me. Tuning into that experience, using that trigger, springboard to spring within yourself, gives you power over that and gives you an experience of who you really are and creates that resonance in your nervous system. The tracks in our nervous system, the patterns in our nervous system that we use, become strengthened. So as you tune into that experience once and twice and again and again, when you have the opportunity, it and when your brain is open for reprogramming by something coming along that gives you an aha experience, that pattern of being in tune with yourself becomes strengthened in your nervous system, and you... you Day by day, you build up um, you build up that experience you build up that habit in your nervous system to tuning in into that inner quiet, that inner silence, that powerful space within yourself, and that grows throughout your life
0: Wow, and it <laughs> leads me to ask were you already thinking this way when you started studying kung fu, or did your kung fu skills?" Uh, accelerate or improve as you delve further into writing the book and your your own consciousness did you did you observe a shift in your skills as a kung-fu instructor and practitioner by this development or were you already thinking this way when you took up kung-fu
1: I was already thinking that way when I took up kung-fu okay Uh, I I had an experience, actually, I didn't talk about this much uh, for a long time. I did talk about it in my book, write about it in my book, and may as well say a little bit about it here. I had an experience when I was about uh, 13 years old, where I and I got down to the point where I thought uh, that I had only a few seconds left to live, and I was underwater, I couldn't breathe, and at that moment, several things happened at once. <clears throat> One thing that happened is I realized, okay, this is the end. Uh, and there are many, many, many things throughout my life where I have a, I have a conversation, I have an experience that didn't really go as, as I'd planned and, or the way I'd like. And I think, okay, maybe someday I can go back and then do that. Even when it's not practical, somewhere inside myself, I thought, you know, maybe I can go back and fix all those things. Okay, at that moment, I I had to let go of that because I wasn't going to have another chance. So I let go of all of my attachments to trying to fix or change anything in my life. Another thing that happened simultaneously was that my whole life flashed before my eyes. And I know other people have had near-death experiences, especially in drowning tends to be one in which people, paradoxically, rather clear, where your whole life flashes before your life. And it wasn't like just major events or a a quick run-through. It was everything all at once, just as clear as we are right now here today, but it was all at once. I had never experienced that expansion of consciousness before. And the third thing that happened simultaneously, which was really the, the profound point of it all, was that I saw my life the way it really was uh, for the first time. And I felt as though, oh my gosh, it's as if I've been asleep. I now see my life for what it really is and it was perfect exactly the way it was. It was what it was. I've let go of everything. I can't change anything. It just was what it was. And it was, it was completely pristine and perfect, just exactly the way it was. And it wasn't that I didn't notice the pain or the mistakes or anything. It's that I realized that it simply was what it was. And it was that I was freed from any uh, attachment to try and, and make something into something that it wasn't. I felt I, I saw my life the way it really was for the first time, and it was, it was perfect. Everything was wonderful. I had no regrets about ending it at 13 years. It was what it was. Now And then I got to the surface, and I was spitting water and choking and coughing, and I was back to my usual consciousness. And at that moment, that was when I became a seeker. At about thirteen years old. I realized I hadn't been experiencing the reality of what my life really is. I want to get to that experience, and so from then on i I sought out every every technique every every book, every teacher every everything that i everything I could find to get me to the experience of what the reality of life was, and that is That's really been my been my major pursuit in life since, and that's why I went into studying quantum physics. That's why I went into studying neuroscience. I thought, okay, do you want? My dad was a scientist. I had a scientific upbringing and orientation, and brain that likes to work that way. I thought, all right, if if we're really going to understand life, we need to bring the brain and quantum physics within and, and, and and consciousness all within the realm of science and tie it all together. So that's what it's that's what it's been about for me. And when I was a student at Harvard, I met Maharishi Yogi, who is the founder mm. of Transcendental Meditation. And and he he had a direct access to that technique, to the experience I'd been reading and thinking about. So that was another major step forward for me. And in Kung Fu, I, I also learned to apply this. So I, I started Kung Fu knowing, knowing about this stuff, and it, it turned out to be a, a way I could apply it.
0: And... I, you're renowned internationally for the invention of and your research in brain fingerprinting, which is a whole, again, another show. Uh, we, I just want to yeah. say that as if as, as, as a there's that <laughs> there's that. I I had a feeling that the brain fingerprinting was part of your research to get where you are today. In the in the sense yeah. of you studied people's brains in a way nobody had ever thought of, and had amazing results working with people on either side, either figuring something out or proving that they were lying in a certain way. But I have I mm-hmm. just had a, a sense of that you were in people's brains looking at how they worked, at looking for your own aha murmur moment in that realm. Is no,
1: that ring yes, true? Exactly. Okay. Well, actually, it, it rings true in two ways. I was looking for my uh, aha murmur moment, and I discovered the memory-encoding-related multifaceted electroencephalographic response. That's what the brain does. The pattern of brain waves that takes place, you can measure it using EEG, electroencephalograph. You can measure that murmur. The, the murmur is, is a, or a P300 murmur. It's a, it's a phenomenon that you can measure in the brain. And I thought, well, how can we take advantage of this? Well, one way was, yes, brain fingerprinting. Uh, we're able to tell what information people know or, or don't know, say, about a crime, or about a terrorist activity, so we can exonerate innocent people and catch the bad guys. Another way that I applied this murmur was I invented the first brain-computer interface, where people can communicate directly from the brain to a computer And through that to a speech synthesizer, and again, it's using that same murmur, that same aha experience, and the brainwave patterns that it generates. There there are thousands of people now doing brain-computer interfaces, but in 1984, when I first developed it, that that
0: was the first one. Amazing. And so you've been, you're a research monster. And I mean that in the best of ways. Um, <laughs> I have <am> indeed. <laughs> you yeah. know, from thirteen, from your you know bumping into that fractal, you you led to a life of research of like trying to figure out the like what happened there, what is that, how does that work? Yeah. I, I think it's just an amazing idea that your your life work has really been leading you to where you are now, in terms of creating yeah. the, this course and these you know creating miracles science of creating miracles book so just that's my overview uh, in the time that I've researched right. and, and I researched and watched what you're doing is Wow dude that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> um, because you it's really brought you to where you are now to where you're able to express it to others in a way and get them to go wait you can do this too it's not just me I'm special but not that special not really but you know, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i get it yeah well the, the the research that i did uh with my dad uh, uh it was in the 90s and i published my first book which is very uh highly scientifically technical one about it in 2001 and then I spent the last 20 years developing practical techniques so that people could apply this in their lives. The, the response that I got to, to my first book and when we published the research in the journals initially was, well, yeah, this is all very good, but you know, what use is this to me? And I've spent the last 20 years developing these techniques to, to apply the science of creating miracles to create miracles in your life. And that's what my, my current book, Science of Creating Miracles, is all about. And yes, that's, that's been... The, In the course of my life
0: Wow and do you think there was a choice point when you jumped into the into the quantum field or into your morphogenic field that is who you are today and if you want a particular direction do you think that you're you're you seem like a shy I mean you are a shining example of this is a phrase from your book using your cosmic quantum computer you (laughs) You were like the shining example. You're the poster child for look at this. I'm here now because of that.
1: Is that? I think, I think that is accurate. I mean, I think that's accurate. Uh, I think it's accurate for all of us. I yes. I when I really first became a, uh, a speaker and, and set out to to understand and then take advantage of and be able to uh, communicate to other people. In what life is about and how we create our life, that really gave the direction that my life has taken, and that is that ultimately brought me to that started me on a trajectory that got me to where I am today.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Um, because it's just the, the idea of following your path. I mean, it seems in a certain way like you had a path and you followed it, or you created it, or I'm not sure which. Yes. Yeah
1: well well actually both of those uh, the, the, in, in the quantum world they can simultaneously be true and they both are
0: whoa <laughs> physicists they always get to that point of like oh man i don't know it's murky out there but i like it it's always exci- <laughs> it's always exciting because it it's the potential it it brings me back to why i studied with rosam rue of, yeah wow that's amazing look at her do that How's she doing that why is she doing that why is she working so hard at it all those kinds of questions from watching someone do this amazing thing but seeming mm-hmm. like it was really stressful on her system I I chose not to follow that because I just thought down the road that was going to be really deleterious to her physical body because she put so mm-hmm. much of her into it so the idea of the yeah. kind of work you're talking about is very appealing because you can do it gracefully and easily because you step into the morphogenic field that allows that to happen or yeah. creates that. One of those.
1: Yeah, exactly. Wow. And it's really, it's really interesting. Allows that to happen and creates that again are two sides of the same coin because we're on that level of silence, allowing something to happen and creating it really are the same thing. Again, you have the, the paradox of quantum mechanics. You know, the paradox of the universe, really that that unbounded silence within all of us is what creates all of the dynamic activity and all of the things in, in our environment and within ourselves.
0: Wow. Excellent. There will be a part two. I'm just telling everybody now, I already know there will be a part two, perhaps a series <laughs> where we talk to Dr. <laughs> Gregory.: We're at this amazing time where I have to ask you because we're rolling around to the end of the show where can people find out more about you and your work and where would you like them to find out information about the Science of Creating Miracles?
1: All right. Well, scienceofcreatingmiracles.com is uh, my website, scienceofcreatingmiracles.com, and you can find out information there. You can also, on Amazon, you can get my book, Science of Creating Miracles by Dr. Larry Forma. So those would be two good places to start my workshops, and next next series of my workshops find out more about those and register for those also at Francine great I'll
0: be signing up I'm telling everybody now I'm signing up I'm going full in because <laughs> why not join the two together where there's a path and I'm actually creating that path oh, it's all happening at the same time Wow excellent I feel like I'm in Star Trek it's great that was wonderful <laughs> Larry that was really fun Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Richard. It's been delightful talking with you. I, I love the way you the way you think and the way you express yourself. It's really a delight.
0: Well, thank you very much. And everybody have a great rest of the weekend and we'll see you next week. Bye bye.